The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre- and post-game live producer. And Joe, I think the Flyers are playing their best hockey of the season right now. They're on a three-game winning streak. You're starting to see that hard on the attack, um, dominate the shot total performances that really spearheaded the team's regular season stretch last year. Uh, That's starting to come, come into play right now. Granted, they did play the Sabres over the weekend, last place in the East Division, and they also played the Rangers without Artemi Panarin. But still, three-game winning streak, two shutouts in Buffalo uh, in a back-to-back setting. I think Flyers fans should absolutely take that. And you're starting to see a lot of positive signs on top of the team getting healthier. And Joe, one, one guy, the final guy that was on the COVID protocol list is no longer on the list, Travis Konechny. And it's looking like he will rejoin the team in Pittsburgh ahead of this big three-game set against the rival Penguins, uh, and that would uh, totally have the team back at full strength, which is huge for the Flyers as they're playing better as well. Joe, let's get right into Travis Konechny. Let's start looking ahead a little bit. Where do you think he fits in the lineup when he comes back? Well, I think if you take a look at it, I, I think Elaine Vigneault's choice here might have to be to start Konechny on the fourth line because you want to see where he is physically. And your third line are the, th- the last three guys that came back from the COVID protocol list. They've been playing well together over the weekend. They played well together. And then, you know, AV has said several times how much he likes how his top two lines are playing. So, you know, are you going to mess with that right now, especially for somebody who you, you're not, you're not going to see, you're not going to know until you at least get a, a period under his belt where he is physically. So, and I think the guy that's coming out of your lineup is probably going to be on that fourth line. So mm-hmm. why not just put him in there? I mean, I don't know that Travis is going to like that so much, but I mean, if you're looking for consistency, um, I, I don't know how you go anywhere else because I mean, uh, it seems like Elaine Vino, especially with this shortened season, you don't have a ton of time to just play around and like tinker with your lineup. So um, he's mentioned what he thinks of the top two lines. The three other guys that are all, you would think they're around the same level physically because of the time that they came back, they've been playing together together. They've been playing together since that time. So I feel like the easiest way to monitor this would be to put him in that bottom six and probably the bottom three there. Yeah, and for some context for our listeners, uh, Konechny was removed from the COVID protocol on Sunday. The, t- the team is off uh, Monday as they fly to Pittsburgh from Buffalo, and they will have a morning skate on Tuesday in Pittsburgh before Tuesday night's game against the Penguins. 
that's when Konechny will probably join the team for the first time on the ice. I have a feeling he skated on Sunday, probably uh, in Voorhees, New Jersey, um, and then he's probably traveling Monday. So he'll probably have at least one day on the ice, um, and then obviously Tuesday's morning skate. So we don't know if he'll play yet Tuesday, but given how a lot of these flyers came back from the COVID protocol list and really got themselves right into the lineup, they didn't want to waste any more time, I have a feeling Konechny's going to try to give it a go on Tuesday. Joe, for me, I think – Nolan Patrick could slide down back into his regular center spot and maybe Connor Bunneman comes out of the lineup. Maybe Nolan Patrick plays on the fourth line, fourth line center. He's gone scoreless uh, in 11 straight games. His game is not all about point production. We know that. Uh, but he, right now he's playing on the wing on that second line. I wonder if Travis Konechny kind of seamless, seamlessly slides into that second line, right wing spot, plays with Kevin Hayes, plays with Claude Giroux, and then Nolan Patrick goes to the fourth line. Uh, and kind of earns his way back up the lineup. I feel like that could be a route. But I do feel like Vigneault can easily watch connect these minutes by maybe playing him on the fourth line or, um, or just playing him on the second line and really understanding that everything else is really clicking right now. You don't have to throw Konechny in there and ask him to be a superstar or play 18 to 20 minutes. Uh, but I could see it going that route. Do you think Nolan Patrick could be even in a battle for his lineup spot right now, Joe, with Connor Bunneman? Bunneman's played pretty well on the fourth line. The team really likes what he has to, what he has to offer down in that bottom six uh, role. Do you think Nolan Patrick can maybe even come out and watch a game? Maybe that's what helps him. I mean, sometimes young players, when they get, you know, when they get sat down and they get faced with a little bit of adversity, adversity it really it helps them. And Think about this. How many times this year have we heard Elaine Vigneault say, I liked what Bunneman's line did. He, he, yeah. he really likes the way the guy plays. So maybe you're right. Maybe Patrick does come out of the lineup. And, you know, all of us know Travis Konechny is not a fourth-line player. He's not a fourth-line player. I guess my point was maybe you start him there to ramp up his minutes a little bit, and throughout the game you work him up the lineup. And that was Sean Gattorier too, Joe. When he right, came exactly. Yeah. Sean Gattorier played on, I think, with Michael Roffel and Nicholas Alvey-Kubel, and then at the end of the game, exactly what you said. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. You, you want to get – maybe you want to have a – you want to have a guy have a – get a couple shifts under his belt before maybe, you know, you're getting – you're on a fast break with, uh, you know, two other top six forwards, and you're kind of you're, – you're not there with them quite yet physically and timing-wise. And – and all the things that you kind of sacrifice or kind of get hurt when you're, you go through a stretch of period of inactivity. So I think to get a couple shifts under his belt, maybe it's a period, maybe it's half the game, who knows, but something to just get him back in the game flow before you throw him right back in on the top six forwards, I think would do a lot, a lot, good, a lot of good for uh, Travis. Absolutely. And I'm not saying – bench Nolan Patrick or anything like that. But could I see it happening? Possibly, because like you said, Joe, Elaine Vigneault numerous times has said he liked that fourth line with Connor Bunneman. And then there's two lines I think that he doesn't really want to touch right now. It's the top line of James Van Riemsdyk, Sean Couturier, Joel Farabee. That's been their team's best line by far. And then the third line of the guys that recently came back from the COVID protocol list has played really well. Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton, Jacob Voracek. So I don't think he's going to touch that line and then, like you said, he's, he's really like the fourth unit as well. So, Nolan Patrick right now is playing on the wing. He's not even playing in his natural position. He's struggling to put up some points. His minutes have kind of been monitored, I think. 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me just given the busy stretch that they have coming up and the fact that Vigneault even said with the busy stretch, he has the possibility of possibly rotating guys on D and at forward. And so maybe Nolan Patrick comes out for a game, sits, he watches, he rests his mind a little bit, rests his body. Uh, he has not, you know, he's played every game so far in this season after missing all of last year. So uh, I wouldn't rule that out um, just given how Connor Bowman is playing and with Travis Konechny ready to return. But these are good decisions to have for the Flyers, uh, no doubt about it. Yeah, I think, Jordan, just to, to follow up on that point, I, I, you know, I know sports right now, all sports seem to be uh, heavily weighed on or even run by, you know, analytics and numbers. And you hear things like usage rate and, and uh, you know, expected this and expected that. I still think there's an, an, a lack of value put on eye test. And if you, if you take the eye test, Connor Bunham is noticeable when he plays. And I feel like Nolan Patrick had recently has slipped into, in terms of eye test, the part where you don't realize, almost don't realize he's playing sometimes. And then something will happen in the game and you go, oh, there's Nolan Patrick type of thing. And I, I think in hockey in particular, you never want that to be the case. You never watch the Pittsburgh Penguins and don't notice Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin, even if it's for a bad reason. Uh, it's almost, you know, you, you always notice those guys. And I think the worst thing to be is not to be noticed. Yeah, 100%. And Patrick played 13 and a half minutes in the uh, three nothing, uh, the second 3 nothing win over the Sabres the last game on Sunday. Uh, not a lot of minutes. Um, he went scoreless. And, um, and, and, yeah, with Konechny coming back, it really would not surprise me. Uh, Joe, I'm with you. I didn't really notice Nolan Patrick a whole lot in that game. And that's okay. The team's deep. It's more balanced. Uh, they, got, they, had a, 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 they played really well in that game. And it's okay that we didn't notice Nolan Patrick a ton. But like you said, when a guy is not as noticeable, um, sometimes that tells you something. And uh, so we'll have to wait and see. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Joe, a very fun three-game set coming up. We don't typically see this, but in the year of adjustments, we are seeing it. The Flyers will play three straight row games in Pittsburgh against the rival Penguins. I think it's going to feel a little bit of a playoff series as each game uh, takes place because just naturally, like Kevin Hayes said before the season, there's going to be some bad blood the more times you play these teams. You're playing these teams eight times in a season. Uh, just naturally, animosity will, will build. It should be fun, and there's a lot of fun storylines. Ron Hextall 
just recently took over the Penguins as general manager. He just recently brought on Chris Pryor, who was his right-hand man in Philadelphia. Uh, he will be the Pittsburgh's director of player personnel. Pryor spent uh, 20 years with the Flyers organization, um, and he was really huge in the team's uh, scouting efforts, really renewing the, the team's scouting efforts. Uh, he's a big-time talent evaluator. He is back with Ron Hextall up in Pittsburgh. And as we know, the Penguins also recently claimed Flyers defenseman Mark Freeman off waivers. Freeman has not played yet with Pittsburgh, but of course he is on the roster. And uh, I wouldn't be totally surprised to see him get one of these three games against the Flyers. A lot of fun, juicy storylines. Joe, overall, what are your expectations for the team going into this Pittsburgh series? And really, how big is it? Well, take a look at the standings. Um, if you look at the East standings right now, I think it's clear one, two, maybe three good teams are going to miss the playoffs in this division. I mean, look at the fly. If you look at the Flyers' record, and we were talking about this yesterday in the newsroom, and Scott Hartnell said, "Look at the Flyers' record," and they're only in fourth. Yeah, you know, it's 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 really tight. I think a lot of divisions are like this. You, you, it's like the divisions are like in each in their own cocoon this year. And you're kind of not paying attention to what's going on in the other divisions. Um, I think that makes it all the more huge. This three, uh, three games in a row in Pittsburgh. Um, The Flyers got Pittsburgh early in the season. They seem to get them at a a, a real down period for them. Um, They've been playing better. And of course, when you have Crosby and Gensel and Malkin and, you know, these guys, I, I believe they, they're a little shorthanded because I think Jason Zucker is hurt. But, um, you know, it, it's always going to be a battle with this team. You, you're never going to um, – for a while there, the Flyers had their number in the regular season. But, you know, it's it, – this is always going to be – the games are always going to be big. The intensity is always going to be big. And despite no crowd, I don't think any extra energy has to be infused into this uh, rivalry between these two teams. So I expect it to be uh, a huge three games. I expect everybody to know what's on the line, especially in abbreviated season. Um, neither team can afford to lose three in a row. So, and I think everybody's cognizant of that. Um, so I'm expecting big things from these three games. Likewise, Joe. Uh, and the games are on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, all on NBC Sports Philadelphia. So check them out. It should be a really fun set. Uh, and just like you said, Joe, a lot of storylines. And these games hold a lot of meaning and standings when you think of a 56-game regular season, three straight against a team that's going to be there with you the length of the season. Uh, you want to take these or at least take the majority of them and try to really I, – I think – it's almost like baseball in a lot of ways. Like you're thinking of winning series now. It's not as much as like, let's sweep this team. Um, that would be awfully ambitious if you, if the Flyers said to themselves, hey, we want to win all three of these games in Pittsburgh and be on a six-game winning streak when we leave that city. Um, if that's the mindset, it probably is. Good for them. Like, that's awesome. But uh, ultimately, I think you're just looking at to getting points and, and taking this series. But it should be a fun one. Um, and it's the first time the Flyers will meet the Penguins uh, with Pittsburgh under the guidance of Ron Hextall and uh, Chris Pryor. So should be fun there for sure. 
And Jordan, I think it's it's really uh, one of the big things this weekend is to have both of your or, or sorry this week coming up with the three games is to have both of your goaltenders playing well. And the Flyers were able to get right. Um, not that Elliott hasn't been right in pretty much all year, but to get Carter Hart right in that Sunday game against Buffalo, I thought was huge because he was not in a great place. Um, Brian Elliott had started two games in a row. Um, and then Hart was able to equal the shutout. Now, granted, they're playing a Buffalo team that to me looked like they quit in the second period on Sunday. Um, they didn't seem interested at all. Take a look at Couturier's goal. I mean, Jack Eichel wasn't even skating. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Jeff Skinner, uh, nominate that as the worst contract in the NHL. Uh, <laughs> the, but still, you had to go out, you had to play the games, the goalies had to make saves, and you had to score goals, and they did that. And, you know, um, you, you, you hear the, the phrase in sports sometimes, we need like a get-right game or a get-right series in baseball. I think you could say that the Flyers had a get-right series this past weekend, and it couldn't have come at a better time with these three games with Pittsburgh coming on the horizon here. Yeah, it's such a great point. That's such a huge storyline, Joe, is that, um, like you said, Brian Elliott was fine, but the fact that they left Buffalo, not just with a win and sweeping that double that doubleheader uh, of sorts, but Carter Hart, you're probably your most important player, really, uh, got right. He got right with a shutout himself. You probably couldn't have asked for a better result there. A shutout for him, 28 saves where, um, you know, his mind's right again. He had a week, basically a week without playing games. The, his most previous game before Sunday's 3 nothing win over Buffalo was the Lake Tahoe game in which he gives up six goals in two periods and is pulled. Um, so he had a week really to kind of regroup. And the kid's so mature that you knew he would regroup. And I think it was good that the Flyers were able to give him some time to really just focus on practice, reps, um, and kind of flushing that game away. And the beauty of that is that you have a guy like Brian Elliott who can step in there and do exactly what he did, uh, pitch another shutout, and then get another win at Wells Fargo to really start this winning streak. So the Flyers certainly got right, and they're heading into Pittsburgh, again, healthier and also with some momentum. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Well, Joe, we have some latest odds from PointsBet. We're going to look at the Norris Trophy conversation. Obviously, the Norris Trophy is given to the best defenseman in the NHL at the end of each season. Uh, and I, whenever you think of Norris Trophy for Flyers fans, you're starting to think more and more of Ivan Provorov. Obviously, the team's do-it-all defenseman, um, really eats up minutes, plays on the power play now, the PK, even strength. Uh, having a solid season, Joe, but I don't know if he's quite up there for the Norris Trophy just yet. Uh, I think Flyers fans to think eventually he will he will be up there. But right now, points bet has him 25th uh, among all defensemen right now for the odds uh, at plus 2,500. Uh, right now, it looks like Kel McCarr leads the conversation, followed by Victor Hedman and then Charlie McAvoy. So, Joe, what have you thought of Pro Route season? Where do you think he uh, stands on the list of odds? Uh, do you think he would be a decent bet for Flyers fans? Why not? Um. He, he could be a decent bet. It's a long shot. Obviously, as the odds tell you, it's a long shot. I think what happens with the Norris Trophy a lot of times is people will look at the offensive numbers. And, and, and as we do in all sports, offensive numbers are the ones that stand out. You don't hear about, you know, uh, guys in the trenches doing the stuff that, you know, doesn't make for all the highlights, which is unfortunately – 
in the context of this conversation, that's what Provorov specializes in, the defensive stuff. And, I mean, he's just – you look at some of the guys above him on the list, he's just not going to put up the offensive numbers that guys like Seth Jones and, and, you know, and Seth Jones isn't even that high on the list, but I just pick a guy like him out or a guy like Hedman. These are guys that are your traditional power play quarterbacks. They accumulate a lot of points. And, you know, while Provorov may, may be better defensively than some of these guys, um, not necessarily Hedman, because uh, I think Victor Hedman is a one of a kind maybe in this league right now, but, uh, I'll take Ivan Provorov defensively over Kale McCarr any day of the week. And Kale McCarr is a young player. And I don't even think the defensive part of his game is really developed yet. But, yeah, he puts up a lot of points. Of course, it's a little different putting up points when you're playing with guys like McKinnon, Landeskog, uh, Ranton, and these guys that just pile up points. Um, there's, the, the, you know, the Colorado first line and Edmonton's first line. There's a few teams where their forwards just pile up points. So the defensemen that play with those forwards end up piling up the points too. And I think the offensive stats are not going to be there for Provorov to put him amongst the top tier of these guys yet. Um, because, again, the flashy stuff gets recognized. And I think Provorov's specialty is the – you know, let's say the work that not everybody feels like doing. That's so true. And we saw it even over this uh, current three-game winning streak. You saw some times where he was out there and he was just a beast. He wasn't doing things statistically, but he was a beast in terms of eating up minutes uh, and playing in tough situations, extending shifts. Um, and, you know, I hope Ivan Provorov proves me wrong, but I wonder if he's ever really going to be one of those top-notch, offensive-minded type of defensemen. He's going to do everything, but is he ever going to be a guy that's going to be uh, over a point per game? You know, I'm not quite sure. But, hey, last year, uh, Tim, you know, he led, the, he led all NHL defensemen to power play goals, and uh, we saw him take strides there in, in the power play uh, aspect of his game. But if Provrov, for me, whenever I look at the box score after a game or I'm in the middle of a game, I want to see him doing, Joe, exactly what you said, the things that aren't the most glamorous aspects of the game. And I always look at his minutes – and I see uh, maybe how many block shots he had. Uh, um, and then, uh, you know, if he's adding an assist or a goal here and there, then that's a huge bonus. Just like last year when he, when he led all NHL defensemen in power play goals. So, Ivan Provrov, uh, you know, we, I think Flyers fans hope to hear him in the Norris Trophy conversation. As he grows older, he's still young. He's still uh, probably still getting better, which is kind of scary given he's already the team's bona fide number one defenseman. But, uh, Flyers fans, if you're feeling uh, like you want to – Place a bet on Ivan Provorov for the Norris Trophy. Go to PointsBet, uh, and you can check out all the odds for the Norris Trophy right now as we head into March. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, Joe, let's get into our cold brew check, which is presented by Duncan. Joe, Shane Gossespierre, uh, was he the team's best defenseman so far uh, in this three-game winning streak? Uh, he's up there, I think, for that, for that honor. <laughs> I think you'd have to say yes. And, um, you know, 
the big storyline in the, the last recent stretch of games was the guys coming back off the COVID protocol list. And a, the bonus to that was we looked like we got a different player in Shane Gostisbehere, um, a guy whose confidence seems to be at, a, at, a, you know, at least a season high. Um, and physically, he looks like the guy from a few years ago. I mean, you see the, the little, like, the, the stick handling moves at the blue line and the little shimmies that he d- does to get himself into a good shooting position. Those are the things we saw that were dynamic when he first came up with the Flyers. And it made him that power play quarterback. And I don't think it's any mystery that the power play looked better with him playing that style on you know, at the point there, um, he didn't, he wasn't hesitate, hesitating to do things. His decision-making was crisp. His passes were good. The shots were good. He looked very decisive and his skating looked a lot better than it normally does. I mean, that isn't, I, I mean, Shane would tell you that's not the strong suit of his game, but I thought it looked better than it has in quite some time uh, over the weekend. Yeah. We've talked, ad nauseum about Shane Gossesberg's confidence, but boy, he looked confident. Like that was Shane Gossesberg when he is fully confident. Um, He's playing with a moxie and he's playing uh, like he has something to prove and, and he stands out. Like his skating ability is so impressive and he's got a really good thing. He's not overthinking. He's just playing freely and you see what happens Uh, in the three game winning streak. He's got two goals, three points. He's a plus four uh, with 13 shots. Um, and he's playing over 20 minutes a game. Uh, I think the Flyers have to be awfully, awfully happy with what they're seeing from Shane Gossespierre to be able to get him confident uh, and get him producing this early in the season to the point where you're not even thinking of taking him out of the lineup. Uh, the, and last year, obviously, he dealt with injury issues, um, and he was really fighting for a spot in the lineup. He was the first guy out of the lineup in the playoffs when they went with Robert Haig. Um Right now, there's no doubt. He's your top pair of guy with Ivan Provorov. That's huge to see. And, Joe, when we're talking about defensemen, let's talk about some, some juicy rumors out there, of course. Uh, I think a lot of Flyers fans are becoming somewhat infatuated with a guy by the name of Matthias Ekholm, uh, the Predators defenseman, 30 years old, big guy, proven. Um, and he's kind of been rumored in trades right now. And the Flyers, of course, are kind of attached to his name just because it was looking like earlier on in the season they could have been looking for a defenseman at the trade deadline. We're still a while away from the trade deadline. It's not eight, not until April 12th, and the Flyers are playing a lot better. They're coming off back-to-back shutouts. Uh, so maybe not necessarily they could be itching for a defenseman, but it's possible come April 12th that they're going to be peeking in. There was a report over the weekend by Tony Androkidis of InsideAHLHockey.com. He reported that the Predators – scouted the Phantoms game on Saturday night. So possibly Nashville peeking in on the Flyers' prospects uh, to be looking for a deal. Who knows? We're not totally sure, but I'm sure this will be talked about heavily as that April trade deadline nears. The Predators are 10-11-0 in the Central Division, so maybe they're looking to shop some guys and rebuild or retool of sorts. Uh, for some context on Matthias Ekholm, he can become an unrestricted free agent after next season. Uh, 30 years old, um, he's making, I think, $3.7 million a year, or at least I know that's his cap hit. Joe, what do you think of Ekholm? Um, are you itching for a defenseman as much as maybe some fans are? Uh, for me, not as much. I think they're finally healthy on the blue line, and they've got a really good, healthy competition right now to the point where I'm not totally buying into trade prospects for Ekholm right now. What do you think? 
Well, I mean, at, at the current time, the Flyers already have an odd man out on the blue line, right? So yeah. what is the what is what's going back to Nashville? And if it's not somebody off your roster, all of a sudden you have this kind of log jam in defense and you don't, you know, you, there's already one odd man out. So who else is coming out of the lineup? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that that's, that that's worth exploring. Um, he's a plus two on the season, a uh, couple goals, three assists or, whatever, uh, you know, five points. Uh, on the year, you know, it's, he, he's a good player. Um, but I, I don't know that this is, this is what they need to explore right now, particularly with Shane Gostaspare playing the way he is. Um, you know, I, they seem to be high on the way Justin Braun's playing. Um, you know, generally a guy like Braun, when you don't hear his name during the game, that's a better thing. He's, uh, you know, not, not your offensive defenseman. He's more a stay-at-home guy, and I, and I feel like he's been, you know, solid in that way. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think right now, I mean, like you said, they have time, but I don't think that they right now this is, should really be at the, the top of their priority list. I think they should be capitalizing on what they're getting from a, guys like Gostaspare. Yeah, Joe, it's funny. I'm with you. Like, when you say, I don't know, like, I truly don't know either. Like, I'm sorry to be right down the middle, but I'm not totally against it, but I'm not totally for it. I think right now in the mind of Chuck Fletcher, uh, he's thinking, hey, we're playing well and we're finally getting right in terms of health and also in terms of style of play. I don't think right now he's like um, in dire need or uh, gung-ho on on Matias at home because – uh, in their minds, I think they just survived and went through a, a COVID scare um, where they missed guys for two to three weeks. Um, they're healthy on the blue line, and they had some good competition brewing there. Heck, they just sat Philip Myers, who's like – I think some people will look at him as maybe a top two or three defenseman on this team uh, with all types of potential. They just sat him and won 3 nothing. So they have good decisions. Uh, they just sat their free agent acquisition uh, in Eric Gustafson on Sunday. So I'm not sure right now they're really uh, infatuated or fixated on Matias Ekholm, but I'm sure the Predators are doing their due diligence of scouting some teams, uh, looking at their youth uh, and seeing maybe what they can do in a deal. But I don't think the Flyers are, like you said, this is at the top of their priority list. I think the Flyers really want to see what they're going to get in March. How will they look come maybe midway through March or three weeks through March uh, they'll have a better idea of maybe what they want on the back end or what they don't need on the back end. And they have a really nice prospect pool. I, I, I hope they don't jeopardize it or lose a really good player that they're high on. Um, you know, quite frankly, for a guy that's 30 years old and is going to be on the market uh, after next season. So I understand win now mode and the Flyers are definitely in that. They're pushing now. Uh, you don't want to forget that. But at the same time, value the future, value the guys that you've drafted and developed um, and make sure when you're pulling the trigger on a possible deal that you know for sure you need this guy and, and you're okay with giving up a prospect or a draft pick or what have you. So, uh, and I, well, I don't think a pl- I don't think a player like Ekholm is a guy that tips the scales and whether you think that you are a contender to win the cup or, or or you're not. I don't think you're sitting there saying, "Well, we're not a contender, but if we get Ekholm, then we will be one." 
I don't think he's that type of player. And I'm, I'm wondering what the cost is because if, if Nashville's thinking about selling off some guys, they don't have a great record. Maybe it's a down year for them. You know, it's not like they're going to want nothing in return. So what is, you know, what's your price tag? And again, how much better is Ekholm than the guy you're going to play him over? I think is a huge discussion point. Um, you know, yeah, Ekholm's been a solid defenseman on some solid teams in Nashville, but they have a lot of solid, other solid players there, you know, so it's not like he was the Roman Yossi is their number one defenseman. And that's it, undisputed. And it's been that way for a number of years. So it's not as if you're getting a number one or I, I don't think you're getting a number two when you get a guy like Ekholm. So again, I don't think it's a guy that tips the scales, um, but if you can work out a deal and it, it you know, it's, it's, you think it, it's a big upgrade, then find a way to do it. But you said don't mortgage the, the, the future. Absolutely. And I think for that fact, the fact that he won't tip the scale is going to make Chuck Fletcher um, judicious and prudent in what he is willing to give up. I think he's going to listen. He's a, he's a guy that will always pick up his phone and do his homework. He's not going to never not pick up the phone. Uh, he, will, he will listen. Uh, because that's what good GMs do. But I think he will be careful in what he's willing to give up for a guy that, like you said, that, you know, is not a number one defenseman. He's not a slam dunk. He's not an Alex Petrangelo that everyone was uh, praying for across the NHL uh, free agent market. Um, it's just not that type of guy. Um, and, and the thing I remind people of is I understand there is less runway in this season. I, I get that. 82 games to 56. Uh, there's less runway, 100%. But – a lot of people are holding on to, well, they haven't replaced Matt Niskanen, but it was awfully hard to replace Matt Niskanen when he suddenly retires in the offseason. Good for Matt Niskanen. He told the Flyers, I think, the day after the uh, playoffs ended that he was looking to retire. But it was going to be tough to replace Matt Niskanen. And the fact is, last year, it took them all of October and a good bit of November and then really until January to finally click with Matt Niskanen. Um, they didn't figure it out with Matt Niskanen for a while. Uh, so give us some time. Maybe the Flyers are finally figuring it out without Matt Niskanen. Um, sometimes it takes, you know, a month or so to really find your identity and find how you want to play again. I think the Flyers may be finding how they want to play uh, and how they're going to go about pushing forward um, with, with who they have. And I like the competition on the back end. I think that's a good thing. But Joe Fordyce, that is, that is our cold brew check presented by Duncan. This season, be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey – there is Duncan. Joe Fortes, thank you so much as always for joining us. Flyers fans, check out pre- and post-game live all week for this big Pittsburgh series. Uh, Joe Fortes will have the shows for you. Uh, cannot wait to watch them. Ben Barry, a special thank you to our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.